Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Here we are once again. Growing in Grace. I'm Joel Brzezinski with Mike Kapler. It's our weekly episodic adventure as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. Cap, you and I have been doing this together for over 20 years, and we're so thankful that many people have come along in the form of the podcast here and joined us in Growing in Grace. Yeah, we've been on this grace journey for 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, podcast about 11 years. Right, yep. But we've been, you and I, we've been talking about this together, and uh, it's just a wonderful benefit of the body of Christ. We feed upon each other and, and help each other grow. And uh, yeah. we've been doing this uh, series here. What week are we in now? I lose track. I think this is number six. Oh, so easily. I lose track. Week six, part six of Why Jesus Taught to Covenants. I do encourage you, if, you, if you're just starting out this week, if you can, take some time and download the first five parts so you kind of get up to speed with where we're at because we can't always, of course, summarize everything that we've said. We'd end up taking a whole podcast. But we talked last week about Jesus and his earthly ministry when he was teaching, not a Christian teaching. Many people think that when, like in the Sermon on the Mount, which is where we're looking at, people think that, well, this Jesus who was speaking It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so it's the Gospels, so it must be the Gospel that Jesus is talking about, which, of course, if you look at that page right in front of Matthew in your Bible that says the New Testament, that's not really the truth, because the New Testament, the covenant, the word covenant and testament are interchangeable. It didn't start until the death of Jesus. So a lot of the things that Jesus is saying before his death, not everything, But a lot of the things that he said, he was ministering the Old Covenant to the people who were under that covenant, and he did it for a reason. We've talked about the purpose of the law. It was to stop mouths. It was to increase sin. It was to provide guilt and condemnation toward people. That's not good news. That's the ministry of the law. Jesus came saying some things that were not good news. And sometimes a person might wonder, well, Jesus said, I did not, you know, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. So why would he preach bad news? Well, because the ministry of the bad news, the ministry of the law, had a purpose, and that purpose was to point to faith in Christ. And so the bad news had to be delivered so that people would see that they're not as righteous as they think they are by keeping the law. Jesus had to say these things to stop people's mouths, stop people from justifying themselves. And then maybe they could see, oh, you know what? Maybe this law thing isn't what I thought it was. Maybe I need something else. Maybe I need a gift of righteousness. And that's ultimately what came through Jesus Christ. So all of these things, a lot of these things that Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew 5, was uh, not to... Christian believers, but was to Jews who were under the law. Yeah, the, the law was run up the flagpole. It had an arrow on it, and the wind of the Holy Spirit blew it in such a way that that arrow, the law and the prophets, 
pointed toward the cross. What that, verse that is that? Purpose. What verse is that? What version are you using? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you. I'm slapping you. I don't see that. Uh, here, turn the other cheek. I want to hit you again. Um, <laughs> now that's in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. What, what about that, Joel? I mean, well, we're going to get to that here in a little bit, but we're always taught to turn the other cheek. Well, can I hit the other cheek every once in a while? <laughs> I mean, how, how are you going to turn it if I don't hit it? Um, all right. Onward and upward here. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Beatitudes last week, and in the context of that, without going back over it again, uh, have you seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, Joel? Yes, I have. Yeah, Several a real popular movie. Mm -hmm. Well, at the end of the movie... Uh, they found Private Ryan, of course, and Captain Miller, who was uh, played by Tom Hanks. His last words to the private were, earn this. Mm -hmm. You see, because he and others had lost their lives trying to find Private Ryan and get him home so he could live. Um, in, in other words, earn this was uh, it could be interpreted something like, uh, live in a way that shows you're worthy of the sacrifice, is kind of what I think Tom Hanks was saying to uh, Private Ryan. In the context of the Beatitudes and even the Gospel, you and I can't earn this. Right. So as you look at the Beatitudes and begin to realize that Jesus is the fulfillment of those, and it's not up to you and me. You see, because what Jesus was doing here at the beginning of the sermon was getting ready to lay down a welcome mat before the Jewish people who were before him, the people who were there listening to him. They were getting ready to approach a new door where unconditional blessings would be discovered instead of the conditional stuff that came through the law of the first covenant. Jesus would be that door. He would be that gate that would bring their righteousness. So the one thing that we did hit on last week out of the Beatitudes was when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Again, they weren't blessed because they were hungry and thirsty for righteousness, but they would eventually be blessed because the hunger and thirst for righteousness would be satisfied, the righteousness of God would be gifted to them. And so hunger and thirst would no longer linger inside of a new and a better covenant. When you're hungering and thirsty for something, you are basically without something. You are longing for something that you need that you may not possess or be aware of possessing. And that's an important point because really this, this sermon revolves around the subject of righteousness. And so Jesus is, is going to get to some of that here in, in just a little bit. A couple of other things we've touched on in, in past podcasts, it's been a while, uh, when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he's not talking to us Christians here. And, and so, again, we're trying to get into a different paradigm, a different way of thinking. Jesus speaking to a Jewish audience who were in the bondage of a covenant of the, of the law that they could not fulfill, that they could not live up to. So when he says, look, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, you Jewish people, even though we apply these to Christians today, we know he was speaking to a Jewish audience, right? And there's this thing, uh, several references in the Old Testament known as the covenant of salt found in Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Second Chronicles. And so the Jewish people here listening to him understood this connection between covenant and salt. And it's, it's nothing to do with us as, as Gentiles or Christians. In fact, Jesus goes on, you were talking about good news versus bad, Joel. <laughs> this doesn't sound like good news to me. Jesus said, when the salt becomes tasteless, what did Jesus say? He says, it's no longer good for anything. And he's basically telling these people, yeah, you're the salt, all right, but you've become tasteless. You've lost your flavor. And when that happens, the salt is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. Now, does that sound like good news? Uh, because you've lost your saltiness. Here's, here's the good news. Here is some good news. I mean, that's harsh. Mm -hmm. um, that's harsh. 
it won't bring peace of mind for you and me wondering if we've lost our saltiness. But this was a covenant discussion with the Israelites, right? And fault was found with the salt, the people, but it would be by God's grace and mercy that the people wouldn't be thrown out by God's grace and mercy. They would not be tossed aside. It would be the covenant that would be put aside and would need to be done away with. Right. And Paul really hits on this in several of his epistles, in in several different places. And one thing that comes to mind with that, the people weren't thrown out, thankfully, but the covenant was. Think about what Paul said in Philippians 3, where he talks about, man, I could have confidence and boldness regarding the flesh, and, and, and here's the confidence that I would have. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. That's what Paul says, I would have confidence in the flesh because of those things. But then he goes on, but what things were gained to me, those things were gained to me, but these I have counted loss for Christ. He says that all of those things, including the righteousness which is in the law and his blamelessness according to that, he had to chuck that all aside and count it as loss so that he could gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And so the covenant as Hebrews talks about, the covenant became obsolete. The covenant had to be gotten rid of, and something new had to come into its place. And so when Jesus is giving all of this bad news in the Sermon on the Mount, you're rightfully saying that there, Cap, that uh, that's not really good news. If, if you lose your saltiness, it can only be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Uh, that's not good news. That's not something a person wants to hear. And so that's not the gospel. Jesus is not talking gospel talk there. He's talking about this covenant with the people who are under that covenant. And so he goes on and says, now here's the thing. People quote this verse, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And people stop right there. They say, see, see, he came. He didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. Uh, We're still under the law. Well, the thing is that he, again, he did fulfill the law. And that's the very reason why we can be justified. It's not because he left it so that we're under the law, but he fulfilled it. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. He didn't destroy it. He fulfilled it. And then, after that, that's when what we were talking about, the law became obsolete. The old covenant became obsolete after that. And the law was nailed to the cross. It was um, taken out of the way. Done. Ephesians and Colossians talk about all this. And then we were freed to be justified by grace through faith apart from the works of the law. Yeah, and, and that this is all such huge stuff toward beginning to see some of these passages with a different set of eyes, new covenant eyes, a, a different prescription. I've got terrible eyesight, Joel. I always joke around about how I can see the rings around Saturn. Uh, in fact, recently I went to the eye doctor, and the, the lady who was there before he came in, she says, you, you really can't see, can you? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you said it. I'm, I'm just following the, the you know, blind leading the blind here. But, but So we, we see things differently now as we begin to understand who Jesus was speaking to and why he was saying the things that he was saying to those people under the law in that first covenant. 
So, yeah, the law was fulfilled. I've heard somebody say that uh, Jesus fulfills the law in us. No, he fulfilled the law in us. He did, in the book of Romans chapter 8, he Mm -hmm. did what the law could not do. He condemned sin. How many of us have been condemned by sin, but he condemned sin. There's so much more we can get into on this, but we're going to continue here in Matthew 5 as, as we keep moving forward here, Joel, and I'm really looking forward to more of this. But to wrap things up here for, for this time around, what you were just talking about with the law being uh, abolished and, and all of that, look, the, the law didn't have to be abolished for it to be fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled it. He didn't come to destroy it or to abolish it. And, and the law will, will still do its work, but we in Christ, I mean, the law still serves a purpose in my mind, and that's to point people to Jesus. But it was never meant for righteous people, those who have been gifted with God's righteousness instead of trying to establish their own. So we who are in Christ, even though we as Gentiles were never under it, whether you're Jew or Gentile now, coming together as one, we are all dead to the law. There's no life there for us. And so we'll talk more about this, the Sermon on the Mount, and other teachings of Jesus, both Old and New Covenant when he spoke. We'll get into all of that in the weeks ahead, right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.